I'm Aspen Warden. And I'm Michael Warden. Dr. Michael Warden. Oh, right. Though it's weird to hear you call me that. And you are listening to Happy to be Sad, a mental health education podcast. This is the first episode of this podcast. Right. Uh, kind of the introduction to the podcast. Right. So we should probably elaborate on what the podcast is. Yes. <laughs> um, can you tell me more about what you mean by a mental health education podcast? Yeah. So this podcast is an opportunity to discuss and, with your help, provide listeners with education on a range of mental health topics. Right. So teaching about mental health, but with a unique take. Exactly. And as some of you may have guessed, the unique take is that I am not an adult mental health professional. I am a 17-year-old high school student. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if they would have been able to guess that. But anyway, <laughs> now you've told them. Um, and anyway, it, it turned out that there are a lot of good resources out there for adults. But there are fewer resources that make mental health principles accessible for teens and young adults. And we felt they were badly needed. Absolutely. So... At the same time, I hope that the adults in the audience aren't just turning this off. Don't go and tossing us away forever. <laughs> Please don't hit the skip button. Um, hear us out. Oh, you adults in the ether out there. <laughs> right. My dad and I have worked really hard to strike a balance so that these podcasts will be of high value to adults and teens. Right. And um, not to brag. Okay. To brag a little. I think we did a good job bragging this early. We've had about one minute. I know. Can you believe I went a whole minute? <sighs> anyway, so enough shameless promotion for now. Um, Aspen, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Uh, okay. So I am a 17-year-old girl living um, in the Western United States. Uh, I am just about to start my senior year in high school. I am very, very creative. I like so many weird creative things. I like bookbinding, leather work, writing, drawing, kind of You have everything. like nine guitars in your room right now. Yeah. No, I do. They're all hung up. They're very pretty. They're Some my babies. Some of them are ukuleles. too. Yeah, there's lots of deer. That's weird. the thing? Yeah. No, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sidetrack. Um, but uh, I've also spent a lot of time focusing on improving my physical and mental well-being. Yes, you have. And what inspired you to start this podcast? Well, uh, I suppose to begin to understand this project, I think we start with what it was like growing up with my father. And as we have not yet said, Dr. Michael Warden is a psychiatrist. So uh, he has spent several billion years studying mental health concepts. It was just one billion. <laughs> um, and mental health treatment. Uh, so given this, our audience probably suspects he has... A reasonable obsession uh, about mental health. Um, and you would be wrong. He has <laughs> <laughs> an extremely unreasonable obsession with mental health. He, uh, growing up, uh, basically every conversation we ever had somehow ended up at mental health with like a point-by-point -point breakdown <laughs> of some advanced scientific topic. Um, and what I don't think you recognized when I was young is that I was young and not a graduate student. So some Wait, of the concepts you're not a graduate student. <laughs> were very advanced. Oh, come on. Like what? Well, like neuroplasticity or the brain networks that lay in the effectiveness of ERP therapy. He taught me how to do motivational interviewing. And to figure that out. Yeah. Uh, we discussed the cognitive biases of the decisions of horror movie characters, and, like, that was dinner table conversation. 
I, yeah. <sighs> okay. All right. So I admit I was pretty excited about mental health, but you're making things sound a little bit worse than they were. I mean, do you remember when you assigned me a five- hundred-page book on cognitive processing styles and their neurological correlates when I was 11? Ooh. I played the fifth. <laughs> when I was eight, in order to collect my weekly allowance, I had to give proof that I had been meditating all week and had a fully filled out gratitude journal. I refuse to confirm or deny this allegation. <laughs> when I was in elementary school, rather than paying me, to get A's, he decided he was going to increase my flexibility and self-concept by paying me not to get A's. I can kind of see your point. <laughs> Great. Although you really did disappoint me there. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, as I hope I'm making very clear, my dad's enthusiasm made my childhood... Um, awesome. Trying. Oh. But I will admit... That over time, I was surprised with how much of what you taught me was mm -hmm. quite useful. <laughs> Victory is mine. And I, I must admit, I'm relieved. But by the way, if you like that book that, that you mentioned, the, the book on the connection between. Anyway, there's this book on uh, anxiety in the default mode network that you would love. So the main. Yeah. Yes. Focus. <laughs> well, as I've gotten older, um, I realize that a lot of my decisions, big and small, uh, have been based on these mental health concepts and the principles that my dad has taught me. And they've been really, really helpful in navigating everything from challenges like dealing with intense feelings of anxiety, all the way to a lack of motivation or even the less obvious things like managing relationships or uh, completing schoolwork, prioritizing realistic self-care, and even applying for college lately. Wow. All I can say is, who's the best dad? Oh, yeah. I'm the best dad. Uh -huh. So who's help me, dad? dad, if you continue to chant that, I will stop this podcast and go compare myself to models on Instagram. Oh, you wouldn't. Try me. Okay, I'll <laughs> stop, man. <laughs> Threatening downward social comparison. <laughs> As I was up, saying. Upward social comparison. Sorry, 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 Nance. As I was saying, in the last few years, I've started to recognize that a lot of people around me don't have a thorough understanding of a lot of these mental health principles. Right. And a lot of my friends talk about mental health in ways that are not at all consistent with what you've taught me. And as I'm entering my senior year, I have begun to notice how big of an impact this knowledge gap has made. Mm. And, and you, you and I have talked privately about this, but can you give our audience an example? Yeah. Uh, I can give the example that originally motivated me to start thinking about this podcast. <laughs> A good friend of mine uh, didn't feel he was good in math, and being unable to keep up in a classroom with other students was so upsetting to him that in the name of his mental health, he mm. went online. Um, but by isolating himself from a teacher and other students, he fell further and further behind. Mm. And this went on for a number of years, right? Yeah, and now... Uh, in the name of his mental health, he's in a worse place than ever. 
Right. He said he was coping. Yeah, and I felt like it it sounded like avoiding, and mm-hmm. I knew that avoidance was likely going to make things worse, and I tried to help, but for one, I didn't really know how to articulate these principles in the way that you've taught me, and two, I didn't really feel like it was my place. Yeah, that would be a very difficult thing to talk to a peer about. Exactly. So experiences like this have led me to wonder how my peers might thrive with accessible outlines of what you've taught me. And that's how this podcast happened. I thought I could bring you on and have you talk about some of the principles I have found to be the most helpful. That sounds awesome. So here we go. Very excited. I have a 74-point treatise on causes and the negative outcomes associated with experimental avoidance uh, for the management of anxiety. So uh, point one, um, experimental avoidance can't... Oh, yes. I I really genuinely appreciate your enthusiasm, but, uh, well, I think it might be better if I led things. Oh. So, so did you want to read the 74-point treatise? Uh, no. Oh, well, I, I don't understand. Well, so my plan is that rather than you reading your 74-point treatise and putting our audience to sleep, I will ask you specific what? questions, and your job is to answer them. Wait, wait a minute. Are, are you flying? That you don't trust me to stay on track? Like if, like if you weren't here, my overabundance of enthusiasm would carry me off into some super long, nerdy, overly technical explanation? Yes. Oh. That's probably true. <laughs> Great. Well, I am excited to get started, but before we do, let's make sure we're on the same page about a few other points about this podcast. For one, you wanted to make sure that we emphasized that mental health education, which is what this podcast is, is not the same as mental health treatment. Exactly. And it's important to understand that this podcast um, isn't mental health treatment because I'm not their doctor, right? Um, And while I obviously am a physician, I can't make a specific diagnosis, and thus I can't make a specific treatment plan for for mental illness specifically. The goal instead is to kind of provide the education that will allow them to more effectively seek their own treatment. Um, And obviously, we talked about preventing uh, any mental health problems in the first place. Um, But ultimately, any specific mental health problem, it's going to have to be directed by a specific mental health provider. Okay, great. Um, And another thing we talked about in this podcast, we felt we wanted to focus on mental health, not mental illness. Right. And One of the themes uh, throughout the podcast we anticipate is that mental health isn't the same as just not having mental illness. Um, And we feel that everyone, including those who've never been diagnosed with depression or anxiety or any mental illness, will benefit from a better understanding of the mental health principles we hope to explore. Great. Um, And then next point. I know that a lot of medical health providers, including those at Intermountain Healthcare, where you work, use the term behavioral health. Right, but you felt like the term mental health was better for your podcast. Can you tell our audience why? Yeah, uh, I wanted this podcast to focus on teens and young adults, and really none of my peers talk about their behavioral health, but of course they talk a lot about their mental health. So I just wanted to meet them where they were at by using a familiar term. Right, and 
I like the term behavioral health, and I think that it makes sense from my perspective. Um, we're going to use the term mental health, but uh, to be clear, I think we'll show that, that we don't believe that these, um, these uh, principles are, are found all within the brain or all within the mind. They're always, in some sense, uh, more broad than that and behavioral. I'm excited to start talking about that. And finally, I think we should give a disclaimer for those in crisis. Uh, definitely. Can you explain exactly what it means to be in a crisis? Right. So, so several things might qualify for a mental health uh, crisis. And um, I'll name the ones I'm most concerned about. But there are some nuances um, such that I don't want to say if I haven't named it, it's not a mental health crisis. So um, obviously, number one, if you're thinking of killing yourself, that is a mental health crisis. But if you're actually self-harming, even if it's not your intent to kill yourself, um, that is often a mental health crisis. If people around you are telling you that you are acting strangely, that you've suddenly developed beliefs that are unusual for you, um, specifically if they're beliefs like that someone's out to harm you or a group is out to get you, um, that's a mental health crisis. If you begin hearing voices, that's a mental health crisis. One that surprises people is if you have little or no sleep for three or more nights um, and you do not feel tired, that um, is often a crisis. Um, so that's something where you definitely want to check in. Uh, finally, people maybe not think of, uh, people may not think of this as a mental health crisis, but if you are in a place where you feel that you could be physically or sexually assaulted in your current environment, that is a mental health crisis. And what should listeners do if they are in a crisis? Okay, well, if you're a teen, please reach out to an adult. And I would obviously recommend your parents, um, but sometimes that's actually not safe. And if that's the case, um, think of another adult, um, therapist, doctor, teacher, aunt, uncle, neighbor. Uh, if none of these are a good option for you, call the Suicide and Crisis Hotline. There's a national number now. Uh, the number is 988. It's pretty exciting for people in my field. You can speak to someone 24 hours a day at no costs. Um, it's just like 911. You just pick up the phone, you hit 988, and you'll be put on the phone with a crisis worker. For adults, many of the same people apply, uh, reaching out to a professional, a therapist, etc. Um, also, you can drive yourself to the emergency department, or you can call the crisis line. And... Can I just clarify that the hotline is not only for those who are suicidal, but for any other mental health crisis. You are not burdening anyone by calling. The resource is there for you to use. Exactly. So all the things I mentioned are what I would call a crisis. And again, likely some of the things, uh, some things I've missed and I didn't say. Um, but if you're experiencing anything that you think might be a crisis, you can call the crisis line and no harm will be done. Um, now, I do want to say, if you're listening to this and you're in crisis, go get help. But that does not mean we want you to forever abandon us. <laughs> we want you to come back because crises are um, temporary. Mm -hmm. As I understand it, they're almost always temporary. Right. Um, it's minutes, hours, days. Uh, it is not years, um, by, sort of by definition with crises. But what's scary is that at times they feel very much like they're going to last forever. And so it's important that you get the help you need, in part to help you kind of get over that sort of feeling that you just, this is going to last forever, I can't deal with this. Okay, so um, we talked about the principle of this, Aspen. We talked about we're going to cover mental health topics. Um, I'm excited to think about what 
topics we might cover. Do you have some examples? Yeah. Um, I feel like we should disclose that we've spent a lot of time deciding on this question because there are so many things to cover and a million different approaches we could even take to cover those things. True. Yeah. So for now, we thought we could agree on the following. Uh, First, what is mental health? Mm -hmm. We can clarify and explore the central topic of our podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, And second, we're going to do a two-part episode on well-being, which uh, we have put forth as the goal, so to speak, of good mental health. Right. And some of our audience is not going to be familiar with well-being. And might be surprised that this is like episode two. But um, well-being is a term that kind of it takes a place in our podcast and for some other researchers for, for happiness. And so we're thinking about, okay, so we've got this mental health thing. <laughs> the goal of mental health is what? what? Why would we want mental health? And our argument is well-being. So we're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have an episode where we explore the mental health concept values, which is a term we use for the things that we most care about that give us direction and help us in setting our lifetime goals. Right. Um and again, that ties back into the well-being. And, and the idea, I think, in the beginning is really to tie everything in together, to lay a really strong foundation um, so that the rest of our conversations, they, they make sense. They're, they're all tied to this idea of, okay, this is what mental health is. It's about improving my well-being or happiness. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then um, how do I decide what my well-being is? Well, I have to think about what I value. And then um, as we'll go forward, we'll talk about ways that feelings can help us or get in the way of our values. So, uh, again, in the beginning, we'll have a lot of kind of floofy, <laughs> um, theoretical, almost philosophical stuff. But I think, Aspen, and I hope you agree, this is some of the most important things yeah. that we talked about. Then, as we get kind of past that stuff, we're hoping to be more targeted and really discuss things um, that are like, okay, I have feelings of depression. I have feelings of anxiety. What do I do? Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for the big topics and the nuances. They're all going to be really interesting. So um, before we end, I uh, wondered if you could tell us a little bit about why you chose the name of your podcast, because it's sort of a provocative and seemingly paradoxical title. Yeah. um, I mean, I loved the name because it does feel like such a paradox. But what I feel like I've discovered is that so many of the major concepts in mental health uh, are rather paradoxical, or they feel um, so counterintuitive, mm-hmm. um, at least superficially, at first glance. Uh, and I think with my, you know, 17 years of life, uh, one of the biggest lessons I've learned in mental health is that sometimes, maybe even most of the time, it's important for us to embrace negative emotions. It's important for us to accept that they are necessary and helpful and valid, um, and they are, are, well, things that we can be happy to have. I see. So happy to be sad is is a play on words. So so in this case, happy sort of means uh, content or uh, to be at peace with feeling sad or bad. Yeah. You know, Aspen, well, you you know. (laughs) Sorry. Aspen knows better than anyone how much this topic is near and dear to my heart. Um, but I have found this concept can be really quite counterintuitive and, and intimidating for some patients. Maybe even upsetting. I mean, 
I worry some people here might be thinking, well, I thought the goal of mental health was to feel better and could be discouraged or even maybe offended by this idea. Yeah, I mean, many people listening to this are here because they are experiencing excessive negative thoughts and negative emotions. And, you know, it's reasonable if they're upset by this idea of accepting these terms or being content or happy to have these terms. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we'll go into lots and lots of details, but uh, why don't you just comment on that real quickly? Right. <laughs> it makes me laugh that you say real quickly because, again, like, I feel like I could write a whole book on this. But, um, <laughs> again, I think the goal is to do two things. I want to reassure our audience that we understand that these negative emotional experiences are scary and painful and that we are here to help you live a life where these negative emotional experiences um, are under better control. And, and often that means having less of them. But it's so important to understand that good mental health is often about feeling more of these negative emotions before we can feel less. Um, feeling a little worse in order to feel better. And that, again, counterintuitive. Um, but we, we feel worse for a couple of reasons. One, um, it just turned out that many of the most important and effective treatments for mental health, like, for example, Aspen briefly mentioned, uh, Aspen briefly mentioned exposure and response prevention therapy. That's the most effective therapy for uh, several conditions, but OCD. But uh, ERP actually requires people to temporarily feel more of the very feeling they're hoping to feel less of. But it works. Uh, when you go through that with a trained professional with an understanding of why you would allow yourself to have that experience, ultimately um, you feel better. But number two, the second reason why this is so effective is because there are just times in our lives where in order to, to get what we want from life, in order to pursue what we value, um, we, we kind of have to feel worse for a minute. In order to... Um, have a, a girlfriend we have to uh, deal with the fear and anxiety of rejection in order to um, you know get an AP score if that's a goal of yours you have to actually take an AP test with the risk of like failing so there's this there's this whole great uh, series of, of things in our lives that can only happen if we're willing to feel negative emotions so again as I said I I'm so excited about this that I went on a little bit of a tangent. You but... could write a whole book or maybe a whole <laughs> podcast. Um... Well, uh, it was it was uh, your uh, idea to name this, and I just happened to really, really like her title. Um, well, it aligned so much with what I feel. So I'm so glad. Uh, and with that teaser, I think that wraps up our intro. It it does. Does does okay. that mean it's time to go? Be happy about being sad. Dad. Yeah. Don't ever say that again. R- really? That was like embarrassing? That was awful. That was you, you mean I, I embarrassed you in the introduction of the podcast? Oh, yes. I think I'm going to really, really enjoy doing this podcast with you. <sighs> I see what's happening here. Uh, I'm Aspen Orton. And I'm Michael Warden, Aspen's you... dad. <laughs> and Aspen's you... my little girl. Stop. Little Aspen. <laughs> And you My have... little girl. I used to change her diapers. <laughs> and, and you have been listening to Happy to be Sad.